While we are all individuals, there are certain tendencies we all have because of biology. On today's show, how men and women show up differently in our relationships at work and at home. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 199. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Yes, you can lead with integrity and authenticity, and this weekly show supports your professional development so you can do exactly that. And I'm so glad that you've tuned in for another episode because today, a perspective that I know will be helpful to almost all of us in how we approach our relationships in the workplace, and also our personal relationships too, and thinking about some of the common styles in how we handle our interactions with others. And I'm really glad to be able to welcome to the show today, Lori Ann Davis. She is the author of the book, Unmasking Secrets to Unstoppable Relationships. She has over 28 years of experience empowering individuals and couples to live richer, happier lives. And she has an in-person private practice in Charlotte, North Carolina, and also does relationship coaching by phone to people throughout the U.S. And she's also the host of a radio show called Ask Lori on WGIV, WDRB Media, and it's become a popular medium to share relationship information to millions of listeners. Lori, I am so glad to welcome you to Coaching for Leaders. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Well, I know that some of our audience is going to hear the title of your book and and hear about the radio show you do and think like, oh, interesting, coaching for leaders, and there's we're talking about relationships, but we're really going to look at this from the professional perspective. Um, you do a lot of work with personal relationships with people too, but you've also for many years uh, you've been a you're a trained psychologist. You've done a lot of work with people in the workplace as well, too. And we thought it would be really interesting to look at some of the commonalities, both in our professional relationships and also our personal relationships that do show up. And I think the best way we can do that, Lorianne, is to to look at a couple of the big buckets as far as different styles that we tend to think of when we think about relationships, right? Sure, yes. You know, when we are at work, men and women are both equally capable of accomplishing and doing a fabulous job at whatever job that they are, you know, that that they have. We still come at that job, though, as men and as women, and we may have a little different style on how we accomplish it. And so how we interact with each other in the workplace, we don't leave the masculine and the feminine at home. We take that with us. So understanding that can help us appreciate those differences and to work with each other in a way that the outcome is more productive. You know, it's it's interesting that um, that you mentioned that. I was just listening to the podcast Startup, and I don't know if you're familiar with it at all or not, uh, Lorianne, but it's, um, it's a podcast and they look at a, a business startup and they're, they're looking, featuring in their season right now, a organization that is a dating, um, a dating organization. And they're 
one of the things that the people who are running this company are grappling with is just some of the realities of relationships that they'd like to change, but that they don't really have control over. And I, I, I was thinking about that in the context of what you just said, because we are, as much as we uh, like to, a lot of us separate the personal and professional, we still are human beings at the end of the day. And so the kinds of things that we tend to do in our personal relationships as as men and women do tend to show up in the workplace too, don't they? They do. They do. And you know, when we understand what we're going to go over and what I help people to work with, it's going to help you in your business life. But guess what? It carries over to when you go home so that you understand a little more at home, which makes your interactions with your partner at home better as well. So I think it's a win-win situation in both respects. Yeah, I think so too. And Lorianne and I are both very conscious of the fact that whenever we talk about different styles and we'll talk about masculine and feminine styles today, that there are many, many individual exceptions. And in fact, I'm one of them, which we'll talk about in a few, at least I think I am. <laughs> so Lorianne, maybe you could tell me when we get to the end of this conversation. Um, but there's many individual exceptions. So we're going we're gonna to paint some broad brushstrokes. But one of the things I think we'd really encourage you to think about as you're listening is not necessarily um, identifying as, as men or women, but just how these different styles play out. And you may know people of both genders that identify with one or or the other style that um, that will help you to understand just how they approach the world and how they approach relationships. And our hope is, is that those tools will help you to be more effective in being able to interact with people. Is that fair, Lorianne? It is fair. And we do understand when we say men tend to have these characteristics in the way they in their style and how they act. Honestly, it is the majority of men that do and the majority of women. But we do understand that there are some people that are different and sometimes the roles can be reversed. There's nothing wrong with that. So yes, we're going to talk in generalities because that's the most effective way to do it. If you're listening and you say, you know, that's not me. I think that I identify more with the other characteristics that's fine. You're still going to understand that people come at things from different ways and, and how to deal with that. Sounds good. Well, let's take a look then and start uh, just because it's the first one we have on the agenda here. Let's look at the, uh, the, the male side as far as some of the characteristics. And um, can you walk us through what are some of the ways that when we're thinking about interactions and relationships, how men tend to show up in relationships, both personally and professionally? Yes. Men as a whole, tend to approach things with a more assertive style. And I, I'm very careful to say assertive, not aggressive. You know, assertive means that they're going to take charge and they're going to move forward right away. So an example would be if you give a project to a group of men or, or to one particular man at work, he's going to take that and be very assertive. He's going to go run with it and start accomplishing things right away. That's his approach to it. When we communicate with men, now this goes at home and at work, our communication with men should be shorter and more direct and to the point. Men tend to like that communication better. They don't want a lot of explanation. They don't want um, just a lot of conversation about it. So tell me what I need to do and then let me go be assertive and do it. Does right. that make sense? It does make sense. And you made a distinction between assertive and aggressive there. I'm wondering, what is what's what is the aggressive piece and why the distinction? Well, I just sometimes people don't understand that. And I'm, I'm thinking that your listeners probably get that really 
really carefully. But but I always make that distinguish distinction because sometimes when I'm talking to people, they they don't get that there's a difference between assertive and aggressive. And we know that there's a big difference. You know, aggressive behavior at the workplace or at home really isn't appropriate. Aggression when you're on the football field or, you know, you're playing sports or something might be appropriate. But in this scenario, it's not. But assertiveness is being forthright and taking the bull by the horns and moving forward. That's assertive energy. And that's very masculine energy. And it's very appropriate. Well, and that's actually something um, might bear us to even dig into a little more, because I, I think some people do have a hard time, and, and, and it probably is mostly men, but I think sometimes people do have a hard time of defining that line for themselves in the workplace. What's maybe a warning sign uh, if you tend to be on more of the aggressive side that maybe you're pushing a little bit too much or you do need to tone it down a bit that you might get from others? If you are feeling very calm about it, if you're feeling... Or if you're feeling energized about something, that's assertive. And women have assertive energy as well. It's just when they're doing it, they're in that masculine mode, right? They're acting in more of a masculine way. Sure. Um, so to me, assertive has a positive connotation to it. You're excited. You're, you're energized about something. Aggressive energy really has, has a little bit of an anger to it. Or it could be a defensiveness. There's, there's not a good feeling attached to aggression. So that's the so time. To me, that's the distinction. Yeah. So that's the time to check ourselves is when we find ourselves in those situations where the anger's coming up or we're, we're feeling that anger inside. That's, that's, that's maybe the warning sign that we're pushing that, yeah. that a little too yeah, far. Yeah. If it doesn't feel so good, then you might want to just you know, sit back and kind of relax and take a look at things before you start to act or before you start to speak, because that might be crossing that line into aggression. Okay, I'm making a note for myself as a parent right here. Okay, so, so let's. Works with parents too, yes. Oh boy, you know it is interesting, and and actually that that brings up a good point too. Is that even if you tend to fall into one of these categories, and I, I, and when I look at this list, I tend to identify more with some of the 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 ones that you have on the women's uh, list, and we'll okay. we'll we'll put mm-hmm. this on the show notes, of course. But it's interesting. I mean, how all of these I can think of apply in different situations, and it's it's easy when someone pushes our button sometimes or for like for example we're you know with a, a toddler and trying to work with them how quickly we can sometimes jump into some of these patterns oh definitely definitely yeah even if you do it for a living you still have to check yourself and you still have to sometimes take a time out yeah none of us are perfect but so men also are problem solvers by nature and, and the distinction is going to come in, I think, a little more when we start to go through the women's side. I think that it'll make a little bit more sense as well. But if you give someone an assignment, a man is going to instantly want to look at what's the problem, what's the solution, then he's going to take that assertiveness, right, and he's going to move forward and start solving the problem. Men tend to be more goal-oriented and more independent in their way of working. So they're the ones that if you give them an assignment, the communication is short. You tell them what to do. They'll get on to the solving the problem. They'll be assertive to go out there and do it, very goal-oriented with what they want to do and very independent about it. So that is what we consider more of the masculine approach. 
And there's definitely times that either as an individual or a team that that's a really those are really valuable approaches depending on oh, the work. Um, and so and and that's one of the things I think that can be helpful too is this thinking about even as an organization if we do tend to be have a culture that may be more feminine is to think about what are some times that we, you know we have a customer deadline that we really do need to move fairly quickly and be assertive and be very goal oriented more so than we might otherwise be as an organization. Mhm. True. So, are we ready to go to women so I'm that ready. we balance it out and then we can give some examples maybe to help people understand. Perfect. Let's do it. Women tend to be and I put more emotional on here. Now, when I say that, we're going to we're going to explain that a little just like we explain the assertiveness. I don't mean emotional in a negative way. I don't mean you know, inappropriate drama. I mean that there's more feelings attached to things. Women tend to be a little more feeling oriented. And we don't leave that at home when we go into the workforce place. We take that with us. Now, how we act on that is depends maybe on the workplace. But it's still there. It's still underneath. So there's a, more of a feeling aspect. Um, women like to talk about a problem before they fix it. And that's a very different approach for the men who want their assignment and they want to go straight towards problem solving. Yep. For women, they want to talk around it and talk it out in order to get to the then action stage. They feel this need to be heard. So they maybe are going to be asking more questions if they get an assignment. They're more process-oriented. Men are more goal-oriented, but women are more process-oriented. So you're liable to get more questions, more conversations from them before they take the project and start running with it. They are also more collaborative, so they're wanting to build relationships. They're the people that are going to want to work together in teams more. And so I think some of these things are just good basic understandings. And like you said, Depending on where you work, you may have learned how to work different because it wasn't appropriate in your workplace. You may have more, maybe you like to work in a team more and you're a guy. But in a general, in a general respect, these things do play out and they play out in how we interact with each other at home and at work and with our children. So. Yeah, indeed. I, I see aspects of all of these in a number of the clients that we support. And, you know, it, 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 I know we'll get to some examples here in a minute, but I, one of the, you know, the kind of the classic challenges that the, the masculine style tends to have a little bit more is, um, you know, kind of the ready, fire, aim approach. Um, and while the real direct focus and the goal orientation can be really helpful in some situations, there's other situations where, um, where the goal may not be as clear. And so really taking the time to dialogue and ask questions and build collaboration is very appropriate and in fact necessary to serve the customer well or to serve the organization well and vice versa. Um, there's times when you know that kind of time just isn't available or necessary and it really does make sense to you know go at things much more assertively. True. You know, I was a supervisor at one time. I was a clinical supervisor for an outpatient counseling office, and I had nine employees. And I remember that I don't know that this was as clear to me at the time, but I knew enough that when I was talking to my employees, when I was talking to the men, and I needed them to, you know, I was helping them with a case that they had that was a difficult case, or we had government grant money, and so I needed them to do something different so that we made sure we you know, met our numbers and kept our grant money coming in. 
for the men, I would go in and I was very specific about what I needed and what I needed them to do. And my conversations with them tended to be shorter, more direct, more to the point, And then I let them go. When I was talking to the female employees, I even noticed way back then, they had more questions for me. They wanted to talk about it. They wanted to, sometimes they needed to be heard about the fact that I was asking them to do things that they didn't think they had time to do, didn't Mm -hmm. particularly want to do. Um, And I needed to hear that. And I needed to say to them, yeah, I get it. I understand. Um, But we have to do this if we're going to keep our money. So once they were heard, once I answered their questions, maybe I needed to explain a little bit to them more about why we needed to do it so we felt like a team, then they would take it and they would accomplish it as well. But I approached them different. And when I approached them different, I got great results from both. But can you see in this scenario, if I hadn't had some understanding of that and I didn't give the women maybe time, you know, we're not taking a lot of time. I gave them an extra 10 minutes to do that. They might not have been as happy with me. They might not have been on board. They might have felt like I didn't care. And so that's just one example, I think, as how understanding this can help us to approach the people that we work with, the people that we supervise, maybe, or maybe our boss. Oh, that's great. And it and it really, um, I know you've been doing this for many years, but and one of the things I'm curious about is, you know, we have um, a number of people in our community who are newer managers or, or leading people for the first time. I wondered if you could think back to all those years ago, when you first became aware of this distinction, what did you do to kind of keep yourself accountable, Lorianne, or coach yourself to approach different styles and different ways once you identified them? I, you know, I think some of it might have been trial and error. If I did something and it didn't go well and I didn't get the response I wanted, you know, when you are a therapist, what do you do? You know, you go back and you start looking at, all right, what did I do wrong? You know, what was I not aware of the needs of the person I was communicating with? Why did my communication not work? So in the very beginning, because I have to tell you, when I was doing this, I was younger. Mm. And everybody, almost everybody I was supervising, some of them could have been my parents. You know, so I was also coming in much younger and I needed to be respected and I needed them to want to work with me. So as a therapist, when things don't go well, I think what we tend to do is we tend to look at what did I do wrong and figure it out. So somebody who doesn't have that background might not understand that. Is that a a standard practice in therapy that if you don't have success with a client or an interaction, that there's a process you would go through a debrief to figure out what did not work and and examine that with a supervisor or something like that? Uh Yes. Now, again, sometimes with a client, it's that the client isn't willing sure, and they're sure. not ready and it's nothing we did wrong. But yes, we would. We would talk about it because that's how you hone your skills. Just like in anything, any other job that you're doing, if you do something and it fails, you look at why did it fail so you can figure out how to do it better next time. Therapy is not any different. Oh, well, that's we the... Grow- that's the reason I asked because I actually think most of us don't do that. <laughs> I think that, oh, okay. that yeah, I think a lot of us in the business world, um, you know, who haven't had that kind of a training, something doesn't go right, and we get frustrated with the other party, or we get, um, you know, we just kind of are done with the situation. And I think some people are really intentional about doing that, but I think that's actually a really good lesson for us. I, I've had a couple of leaders I can think of in my career who've been really intentional about when something didn't go right of let's have a meeting and let's debrief and talk through what didn't work. And mm-hmm. 
and and I found that whenever someone in in my professional life has been intentional about doing that, that that's been really helpful. But I also think that those times have been actually pretty rare that someone's done that in a formal way. And so I think that's a really good lesson for us is to just take time when something doesn't work to, to actually examine it. See, and I wasn't even trying. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm glad. I, I think there's something we can all learn from from all of our, the the different professions that are out there, and that's something that uh, that that I think is really valuable that a lot of us don't think to do in a formal way. Um, so part True. of it is just trial and error, and and, debri- and debriefing, thinking something through, and how you might approach a situation differently with a with either that person or a different kind of person or a similar kind mm-hmm. of person in a, in a future situation. What are some of the common obstacles when you are working with people either in relationships or people who are handling relationships in their organizations that are the common things that you hear from people that if they made a a couple of shifts would really help them along the way in a pretty big way? You know, this one probably goes for business and it definitely goes for um, you know, male and female relationships when we're looking at couples. And that is that we really would like the other person just to be like us. We would like it if, why can't they just understand me? Why can't they just be like me? Why can't they act the way I want them to? And then everything would be fine. <laughs> exactly. And we can, but, and we laugh, but, but that's true. And we really get stuck in that mode of if the other person would just change, everything would be fine. Oh, of course. What I'm suggesting is that we need to understand each other. We are different. Men and women are different. Sometimes people have different personalities, and that can cause issues when we're trying to communicate with someone. But instead of expecting the other person to change and be different, if we could just learn, learn what those differences are, learn to appreciate those differences possibly even find the positives in them. When I'm working with couples, then I give them lots of great reasons why they want the other person to be different. Um, not as appropriate for our conversation, but there's reasons that we're different and we're not going to change that. So let's learn to understand it and let's learn to work with it. And then you're a step above everybody else out there who's still complaining about why can't this other person just act the way I want them to, right? Oh, interesting. Interesting. When you're coaching someone, what is it that you ask or what is it that, um, what is it you say that often will help the person to make that mind shift change from looking at the world through their own lenses versus looking at the world through the other person's point of view? Sometimes you can help somebody by turning it around and saying, what if the shoe was on the other foot? What if the other person didn't understand you? You know, and, and that happens to all of us. And they're wanting you to change. And they're not validating who you are and that you're important and that your way of looking at things, your way of doing things is valuable and is valid. How would you feel? And sometimes that can help somebody to turn around and say, you know, it wouldn't feel very good. I wouldn't like it. I'm me and I am valuable the way I am. And I want to be respected and appreciated for that. So if I want that, then guess what? I need to give it to the other person as well. So it's like Dale Carnegie said 
almost 100 years ago, try honestly to see things from the other person's point of view. And if you can do that genuinely, that, that helps to start to change your mindset and your perspective. Definitely. Definitely. And I think that, you know, when I, in my book, I actually wrote a section. I did a lot of, lot of research and tried to figure out how to simplify it, break it down, make it short so people would read it. About biologically, men and women there are biological differences. Our brains are literally different. This is not something that we can just say, you know what, why don't you just change how you're doing things? Don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a biological basis for it. There are some reasons for it. I talk about, you know, some of the hypotheses of why they think our brains are different. But sometimes that helps people as well to understand that we're different we're different for a reason, and it's biology, and there really isn't something we can do about it. It's not just a habit. It's not just something that we can say, sure, I'll just change that. I won't do that that way anymore. We're going to be different. And so the really the only choice, if we're going to work better together, is to understand those differences and learn to work with each other. Because we're not going to change our brain structure. We're not going to change our right. chemistry. You uh, know, we're just not capable of that. Well, I'm so glad you said that because it... Uh, one of the things I've found um, doing coaching too, and I'm, I'm sure you've had this experience as well, is sometimes when people take one of the personality assessments like a Myers-Briggs or a DISC or something mm-hmm. like that, and then they'll um, they'll talk with someone else who's taking the assessment too and who has a very different, has answered the questions very, very differently. And, and just, it's interesting to see that people sometimes will, I shouldn't say sometimes, often will kind of have that light bulb will go off and like, Oh, you don't really think about that the same way I do at all, do you? And <laughs> and it's right. really, I mean, it's it on a logical level, like we sort of all kind of know that that the world's different. But when you really are sitting there next to someone you know and you work with or you live with, and you see how they really respond differently to a set of questions or an assessment, all of a sudden you're like, wow, that's who they are. Like they're not going mm-hmm. to. Yes, there are things they can change about, but there's also a whole bunch of things they're not going to change about themselves either. They're not. And when you can understand them, when I'm working with, you know, couples and I help them to understand the other person and then they start interacting in a way that meets the other person's needs, that's respectful for them. It's interesting. It feels really good because you watch the reaction you're getting. And if you're a supervisor or you're an employee, you know, and you're working with somebody that maybe you've been struggling with and you start to make some of these changes, some of the changes that I talk about in my book that have to do with people that are in intimate relationships, some of that same respect and how we give respect and how we interact would also help them with people in the workplace. When you do it and they start to respond different to you and you see that doing things different really gets you someplace feel really good. And then the other person feels uplifted, right? They feel heard. They feel respected. And they start treating you different. And it's just a cycle that makes everybody happier. And it's more rewarding. Well, you know, Lorianne, we've we've always um, had a, uh, I shouldn't say a focus, but an appreciation on the show for um, work-life balance and the importance of family. And um, we've, we've mentioned it often on the show. And so, um, so I'd actually like to finish up asking you a question on the personal side too. Um, mm-hmm. Since you do work with a lot of couples and, and in relationships, um, and see people who are who are working through a lot of challenges um, in and just processing how they're going to walk through their journey, you know, as a family and in their lives, what's what's a common thing that many of us miss 
in our relationships that if we had a little bit more awareness about would help many of us to have stronger relationships at home? I just wrote a blog about this and just submitted it to a site this week. So this one's top of mind, but I think is very important. We show people love and that, that can be in an intimate relationship or it could be in a friendship level. But we show the other person love in the way we want to be loved and the way we feel loved. But guess what? Sometimes the other person doesn't feel love in that same way and they're missing it. And we are frustrated because we're doing all these nice things for someone and they're not getting it. And so then they're not treating us with the appreciation we want back, right? They're not saying, thank you so much for being so kind, you're being so thoughtful. We're not getting that back from them. Sometimes it's almost the opposite. We are actually offending them by what we're doing Mm. and we're trying to show love. And that's especially the truth when we start looking at men and the differences between men and women. A lot of times what comes natural for women, how they would show a man love, he actually sees as disrespect. And so we can get into this feeling very, very frustrated with each other and not understanding each other. And the relationship kind of goes further and further away. What I like to come in and tell people is, you might even have to do less, but let's do the right thing. But unfortunately, in our society, we don't educate about it. Nobody teaches us these things. We, you know... We don't have to take a class before we get a marriage license or before we move in together and start a family. We are just expected somehow to know it. If you were very, very lucky, you were raised in a family that did a very good job of modeling it for you. But let's face it, that's not generally the case for most people. Yeah, yeah. So we don't learn it. And so going about things, I think so many people are going about things trying really hard and failing, and they're very frustrated. So then sometimes they'll have an attitude of, well, I I just can't win. You know, men and women just can't get along in relationships over a period of time. It's just not possible. They start to have these beliefs that that really hurt them. And that's not true. If they just had the information and the knowledge, they could really turn things around. They could have very rewarding relationships. And so that's one of the things that I'm very passionate about doing in, in what I do. It's why I wrote a book and it's why I do what I do for a living. Well, that's uh, that's awesome, and I, I hope you shared the link with us. I'll get it on the show notes if it uh, if and when it posts up there. And uh, and so I asked you a personal question, and it ends up coming back to the workplace too, because that's one of the things I see often, Lorianne, with new managers is they manage people the way they want it to be managed, and for some of their team that works really well, and for other people that doesn't work well, and people don't feel like they're respected. And one of the things we'll often talk about at the at the start of the coaching process is. So have you asked how this person wants to get feedback and how they like to get recognition and how you how they like to be interacted with? And, and almost always the answer is, oh, no, I really never really thought about that. I'm just doing it the way I, <laughs> I know how to do it. And uh, so it's a really good lesson on both sides of how to approach it. It is. Better. And if you add that we, that we have men and women in that dynamic, you're adding another layer of things being complicated. Because like I said, we don't, we don't lose those differences at home. We're capable when we go into the workplace of accomplishing the job equally, but we do come about it different. There is a biological difference, and I think helping people to understand that at home and in the workplace could be very beneficial. Fabulous. Well, I'm going to get all of this information on the show notes so people can track it down after the show here and on the leadership guide coming on Wednesday. 
in the meantime, Lorianne, what's the best way for folks to track you down if they want to find out more about uh, what you offer and some of the resources you've got online? My website probably is the best place to find all of the resources. And that is, it's my name, Lori Ann Davis. So it's L-O-R-I-A-N-N, davis.com. I will make sure to get uh, a link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, Lorianne, I'm so uh, pleased that you took the time to join us today to really get us thinking about this perspective. I, I know it's one that uh, many of us have heard at some point before, but I don't think we've really... Re- thought about it in a, on a regular, ongoing basis, and certainly not in our actions each day. So I really appreciate you bringing that perspective to us. And, uh, and I know it's going to help us all out this week as we're thinking about the interactions we're having in the workplace. Great. Thank you. I'm, I'm very pleased to be here. Lorianne Davis is the author of Unmasking Secrets to Unstoppable Relationships. I'll have all the links for the show notes. Thanks again, Lorianne. Thank you to Lorianne. And the two things I'm taking away from this conversation the most are, first of all, the reminder that when something doesn't go right, to take time to talk about it with whoever that is and whatever stakeholders are involved and whether it's personal or professional. I think that's a thing we all know we should do. But as I mentioned in the interview, I don't think many of us actually do that in practice in a structured way. The other thing that I am thinking about from this conversation is that reality that came up that Lorianne was discussing that we all tend to love and care for people and show respect for people in the way that we want to have others do that for us. But we don't necessarily take the time to figure out what it is that that other party wants. That may be the same thing. But a lot of times it's not the same thing, and sometimes it's something that's very different. I think to the extent that we can take some time to explore that, not only at home but in the workplace, it's going to be hugely beneficial for all of us who want to lead and influence more effectively. I hope you'll add in your comments as well, too. Go to coachingforleaders.com slash 199. That's where you can get the show notes for this episode and join the conversation. And next week is episode 200. Bonnie will be back on the show, and we are going to be handling Q&A. It's the first Monday of the month. So if you would still like to get in your question to be considered for that show, go to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. And as always, There are ongoing resources listed up on the Coaching for Leaders site at coachingforleaders.com slash resources. And one of the resources that I make available to this community every single week is the Weekly Leadership Guide. It is emailed to you on Wednesday and includes resources, thoughts, ideas, my writing on some of the things that I've found online and curated and think will be most helpful to you between the shows. And it also includes a overview and link to the full weekly show notes every week. So if you listen on the go like me and are looking for a way to keep up to speed on the resources and tools that we mention in every episode, that's a great way to do it. Plus you get not only the weekly leadership guide, but access right away to my reader's guide that lists 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others and brief summaries for me on each of those books. If you're looking for ways to enhance your leadership development and your professional development, one of the ways to absolutely put at the top of your list is to 
do reading. And I'm often asked, what are the books I'd recommend? These 10 books I would certainly recommend. And you can get access to all of that, plus a video at coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe is the best way to join that. And thanks in advance if you do join the weekly leadership guide as well. And I don't have a community member spotlight this week, but I am still asking those of you who would like to be featured as a spotlight. I'm going to be sending out invitations here in the next few weeks again. Uh, But in the meantime, uh, even before you get that invitation, I hope you'll check out coachingforleaders.com slash spotlight. That is the best way to find out about how you can be featured in a future show. I love hearing from members of the community, and I know many of you do as well, too. So uh, in order to get your voices on the show, that page will give you all the information you need to know. So check that out as well. And finally this week, a big thank you to two people, Madeline Sesse. I hope I'm saying your last name right, Madeline. It's been great to talk with you online. Thank you so much. And also Kentucky Tyler 163 I'm guessing that's not the real name. Thank you so much for the kind reviews on iTunes. And uh, several other people have reached out to me mentioning their submitting reviews uh, this week. Thank you to all of you who have done that. If the show's been helpful to you, you've been listening for a bit, and you feel like you're at the place where you could review the show, I'm very grateful if you take a moment to do that on iTunes or Stitcher. Just go to coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes or coachingforleaders.com slash Stitcher. It's a great way to help our community to continue to grow and continue to put more resources into the show. So thank you in advance for your support. And I will see you next week with Bonnie for episode 200. Take care.